Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. And I'm Katie Zakreski. Together, we'll guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them. All while remaining faithful to our conservative values. Trust me, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, it's a party, so grab your mugs and we're going to pour this tea. I got really excited in that one. Okay. (laughs) What are your Halloween plans? I got to know them. Well, uh, same as every other day. Try to see how much candy I can eat until I almost go into a diabetic coma. Um, (laughs) But but in all reality, um, I'm ashamed to admit that I'm still trying to figure out whether or not I want to dress up all 400 of my pets and what I'm going to make them. Some of them are pretty obvious. I got a dog named Bee. Okay, obviously she's going to be a bee. But some of the others, I'm not sure what to do yet. What about you, Hannah? I think I'm just going to hang out with my friends. I love Halloween, I'm not going to lie. But growing up, I couldn't really eat a lot of candy because I'm a vegan. And so I couldn't eat anything that had chocolate in it. Wait, and wait. I'm, how long have you been a vegan for? Like 15 years. So oh, so you mean like baby Hannah like couldn't go eat like the Hershey's bar that she <laughs> Like got? it's worse. I'm also allergic to food coloring. <gasps> so uh, no candy for me no. ever. Oh. My Halloween, I would always, like, my mom would give send me with, like, an apple and some peanut butter, and I'd be Blame. like... Blame. Nah. I am so sorry. It's funny because people are always like, wow, you eat so healthy on Halloween. I'm like, this is not my choice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would be eating that candy if I could. Especially before I was vegan when I could eat a little bit of chocolate. I just mm-hmm. was like, you know, obviously I, I love chocolate dearly but no one gives out dark chocolate to children so that's true that it's kind of like the 50 year old wine mom chocolate and so yeah just think that like eight-year-olds don't want it but i beggars cannot be choosers i will take any candy or sweet or treat you have some people would like even put money in your bag did you ever have that happen where somebody would just like completely forgot it was halloween and they're like here <laughs> like take ten dollars and i was like whoa awesome i'm coming back here next year you know what's funny? Last year, I forgot it was Halloween. Well, actually, no, I didn't forget it was Halloween because I bought candy. But then the person I was dating at the time, I went over to her house before and I like dropped the candy off there. And then I forgot it. And all these kids were coming over. So I was handing out cans of beans and like, <laughs> things, and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like the candy is not here. So you're gonna have to like deal with this. Anyways. So I, I, did, I didn't realize this until I went to college. But some Christians are, like, apparently really opposed to Halloween. I think my fiancé's family is, and I'm just kind of like, woo, Halloween. Yeah, so did, I mean, you, did you Did you experience that growing up? No, I didn't, but I can understand why. Some of the things can be, like, kind of satanic. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the scary things is there are a lot of shelters that don't allow people to adopt black cats for, like, the mm-hmm. month before and after Halloween because people will, like, adopt them for like just for halloween and then abandon them or they'll like be adopted for satanic rituals and so like i mean i've i've never participated in a satanic ritual so i don't know <laughs> i hear say says. <laughs> so i don't get satanic stuff is that my thing obviously as a christian i'm not in favor yeah i don't i've never understood why people are against halloween and if someone could explain that to me in better detail i would like really appreciate that because if it you know, allows me to come closer to Jesus Christ, then I would absolutely be like, okay, on Halloween, we're not going to be dressing up like witches and and devils and stuff like that, you know? 
Okay, this is an assignment for our listeners. Um, tell us about your Halloween experiences, um, or maybe your lack thereof of Halloween experiences, and whether or not your family was in favor of Halloween. Which is actually a really interesting segue into today's episode, Hannah. On a previous episode, um, Zach and I had talked a little bit about my faith perspective as a Catholic here in the South and how that's impacted my my environmentalism. And I had said at one point, you know, I, I really want to pick Hannah's brain on this because I think she's an even better Christian than me. <laughs> so oh, today, today is the day, I, and I, I think it's time to pick your brain about how your own faith has impacted your environmental work. So, Hannah, take it away. Okay, so first of all, I have to give you a little background on my faith. I live out in, here in Utah, and I was raised a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. I less so identify with that now because I want to more so identify with being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus Christ. I think everyone finds ways that their faith is best served. If your faith is best served, hiking in the mountains and being in the Word with Jesus Christ on a Sunday morning— I'm sure Jesus Christ would appreciate that just as much as like going to a regular church, you know? That's kind of like what my perspective is, is like your relationship with Jesus Christ can evolve over time and the things that best serve you might not always serve you at one period in your life. It might change a little bit. Well, first of all, I have to talk about Jesus Christ as an environmentalist in my mind. So growing up a member of Church of Jesus Christ through Latter-day Saints, there's something called the Word of Wisdom. And the Word of Wisdom is kind of like a health code for the church. That's why Mormon, colloquial called Mormon, Mormon people don't drink alcohol or they drink like sugary hot beverages. Don't worry, us Catholics are making it up for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I've heard that a few times growing up LDS. um, Being like, oh, you know, well, more for us, you know? (laughs) Nobody's complaining over here. (laughs) It's true. But one part, give me a moment to open up my scriptures. I feel like one part about it is that people forget that the the word of wisdom as a health code and also as an ethical code on what you consume, it says to eat meat sparingly and only in times of famine. Mm. Let me actually, give me one moment. I'm going to off. See, the fact that you've just got your scripture on hand lets me know for a fact that you're a better Christian than me. <laughs> That's too sweet. Okay, so it says, yay, flesh, also the beast and the fowls of the air. And it says, I have ordained for the use of man with only with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly and only in times of famine. Mm. So I feel like that was the beginning of my environmental journey is because a big reason why I care about the environment so much is because of my relationship with animals. Growing up, I was kind of a weird kid. Like elementary school <laughs> Hannah was bullied. Like, oh, what? Super weird. And I was very misunderstood as a kid. I was very nerdy. And one of the things that really helped me was, first of all, developing a really close relationship with Jesus Christ because I felt like I always had, like, they were, he was like the first friend of mine who, like, loved me unconditionally, Aww. if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes me kind of sad to think about. I'm like, I'm like tearing up a little bit. But <laughs> it was like, I would spend a lot of time with animals, like with cats, with dogs. Like, I'd go on walks to go visit my neighbor's horses. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, animals understood me better than the, the kids at school did because the kids at school would call me the horrible names. They started this thing called the Hannah touch where um, if a kid touched me, like they could pass it around like it was a disease. I'm going to go back in time and beat up a bunch of children. <laughs> Isn't like, that, cause so that, that is horrible behavior. Yeah. And so I developed like a really close relationship with animals and, and with my relationship with Jesus Christ and just like understanding 
um, just like the depth of love and compassion that he has for everyone. Also, there's a scripture that is coming to mind right now that is not fully like memorized my head. So forgive me if I butcher this, but it says like, um, what ye have done to the least of me, you have done unto me. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus Christ talking about how we treat each other and what you do to each other is a reflection of what Jesus Christ would experience. Because if you remember that Jesus Christ experienced everything that we've been through, all of our sufferings in the Garden of Gethsemane, that means like if you're kind of bullying someone, Jesus Christ is going to experience you bullying that person in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know? And so I think a lot about that. And I also always think about how like animals are considered to be the least of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And how sad it is that when we destroy the environment and we allow our planet to decay at our hands, like that's what we're doing to these animals. And so I really began to like get really into environmentalism because I cared so much about the animals. That's kind of how I, what my Christian faith is about is just loving one another and especially the animals because I mean, think about it. Would you ever see like Jesus Christ, like cutting down a rainforest? No, no, definitely not. Uh -uh, Or or Jesus Christ cutting down a a rainforest for a cattle pasture. Like, yeah, I I don't, think he's dressed like a lumberjack like it's boring <laughs> manifest destiny not that there's anything like wrong with that you just can't abuse the world around you yeah definitely not another thing i think about a lot is justice and mercy within my christian faith this is one thing i think about a lot that i feel like a lot of people will forget is that we are morally obligated and jesus has called us to be merciful and also just i'm not really there to like to punish people for things that they do that are wrong but we're supposed to, in our behavior, act with a sense of justice. I think about kind of the injustices towards people who are experiencing the early effects of anthropogenic climate change and these animals that are losing their habitat. I love thinking about how living a vegan lifestyle, living a lifestyle that is environmentally conscious, I am fulfilling my promise and my covenant with Jesus Christ to live a merciful and just life. Regardless of whether or not you believe in God and whether or not you believe in an afterlife, even if you don't believe in God and if you don't believe in afterlife, you're still called to be merciful and just because if there is no afterlife, that means there is no God to rectify the wrongs of today, right? Mm. Um, I believe that there's a God, right? But if there is no God, that means that there's no one to kind of rectify the horrible atrocities of today. That means the people who, the animals who are, you know, being tortured in factory farming, the animals who are losing their habitats because of deforestation or the people who are in poverty because of exploitation or anything like that, those wrongs will never be righted because there, would, there wouldn't be an afterlife. In some ways, not believing in an afterlife and believing in an afterlife have the same calling that you are still called to rectify the wrongs of today in every present moment that you possibly can. Like you're morally obligated to do that because how sad it would be if like the one life that an, an individual sentient being gets to live is in absolute suffering because of the choices of someone else, you know? Mm -hmm. That is wrong no matter what. So even if you don't believe in God and you don't see like the Christian calling to be merciful and just environmentally, like you are still morally obligated to do so. Mm. So I know we've talked a little bit about this when when we're not recording, but do you think that other Mormons feel similarly to you about the environment? And if not, why do you think that is? Well, I actually don't. I've had a really hard time explaining my environmental values to Mormon people. There's a Mormon chapter of CCL, which I love, the LDS chapter. They are so great. I don't know. I feel like the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ often gets really lost in translation. And I'm sure you experienced this with Catholicism, but 
like people need to go back to the word and read the word. Yeah, there's a lot of cherry picking <laughs> in arguments. <laughs> One of the hardest things for me is the LDS church is known as a very appearance oriented religion because some of the people in it are so obsessed with how they appear that they mm. forget to do what Jesus has actually called them to do. One of the things this is kind of a segue into what I want to talk about is about wealth and wealth accumulation, my feelings on how Jesus expressed his feelings towards wealth and equality. I think a lot of LDS people get lost in the sauce, so to say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they for, it, it's not a prosperity doctrine. Like I really have a hard time with churches who are like, well, if you worship Jesus so much, like you'll get rich. And I'm like, um, I don't think, I don't think so. Yeah. Do you feel like Jesus was about getting rich? No, no. In fact, I, I feel like if we lined up some of the wealthiest churches on one street and then put one of the poorest churches on one street, I think we all know where he would go. So I, I, I hate when any church is like, we got to have like a, a $100,000 stage and a, and a yeah. $1 million. Like, dude, d- d- Jesus died on a cross in his underwear. Exactly. Like, like exactly. He, he's not here for golden marble. Like, he's not. Exactly. And the thing is, I think about this all the time. Jesus Christ was a creator of the universe, right? That means he could create anything he ever wanted to. Why in the heck was he wearing sandals and walking around in a toga? Like, exactly. he's he's not going to come back one day when he comes back at the you know second coming or also known as the rapture and be like, oh, where where's my um golden Gucci throne? You know, right. like, <laughs> where, like, where's my Louis Vuitton? Where's my Versace? I don't think he's got, no. I don't I think he's drink, looking for it. <laughs> yeah, and he literally like, the, the most joyful things for him and the things that made him the happiest, happiest was, you know, getting down on his knees and washing the feet of other people. You think about like how one of the last things he did was like wash the feet of his disciples. Mm. If, if you were really obsessed with wealth and wanted other people to be wealthy, like maybe the la- one of the last things you did in your ministry wouldn't be washing someone else's feet. It might be like, you know, let's go, go through a massive party on a yacht in Santa right and drink (laughs) drink million dollar champagne like I just feel like it's such a testament to me of like just how down to earth and compassionate Jesus Christ was and he was very against material wealth Hmm. I have a hard time with churches who fixate on material wealth and make promises to their members about if you follow my church or if you follow Jesus Christ, like you will get wealthy. And it's like, well, wealth isn't something that you can take with you into the next life. And right. I, and even like, how are we measuring wealth? Like, like I think we're incorrectly thinking about, you know, when we say wealth, what what does wealth really mean? I think a lot of these churches uh, almost use like a business management platform to approach it. And they're like, you'll get rich and you'll have nice stuff. Whereas yeah, if, you, if you read the Bible, true wealth is really its community and its love. So yes. I think that like we've we've lost touch with what wealth really is. Aside from being in like poverty, w- accumulating wealth past a certain point is futile, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I just read this book, actually, it's called True Wealth. And it was fascinating to me because one of the things it talks about is how often people work 40 to 60 hour weeks to buy things that they don't want, nor do they need to feel better about the fact that they've worked 40 to 60 hours a week. Mm. It's perpetuating cycle and it's so sad because if we just relaxed a little bit and thought about what we actually need and what we actually want and we stopped spending money on things that we don't actually want nor need 
then maybe we would have more time to love one another Mm -hmm. and more time to sit still and be quiet in moments where the stillness is necessary for our happiness. I think a lot about Jesus Christ and what he did. And I think he spent a lot of his time relaxing, you know, Mm -hmm. and enjoying life. I don't think he was trying to build like a multi-billion dollar empire in his, you know, short 30 or 33 (laughs) years. Jesus Christ was here to stop and smell the roses. And that example to us is something that we really need to take to heart because if we're stopping to smell the roses and enjoying those little tiny moments, we won't feel the need to feed into this ego side of us that tells us to buy more and to spend more. And also buying more and spending more is really bad for the environment. So Mm. If we, if we just relaxed and we, we actually took that into heart and followed Jesus Christ's example in that, maybe we would have, you know, a little bit lower environmental footprints, each, in, each of us individually. So this has been a, a wonderful conversation I have with you in particular, Hannah, because we both come from different yet similar religious backgrounds. And I realize that even as we talk about this, that even if our, our faith perspectives are different, we encounter a lot of the same problems with the dogma and hierarchy within religion, and then it kind of muddies the water of what faith is really all about. And I know that when I talked with Zach about this, we had talked about using religion as an existing structure to continue environmental work. So how can we appeal to all religious conservatives, and not just Catholic and Mormon, but all Protestants, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, everybody in between, to bolster their faith through environmental work and vice versa? Well, one thing that I run into a lot in environmental circles is a lot of environmentalists are anti-religion mm. because kind of, I just think it's like there's a lot of very liberal, very young environmentalists. They've seen religion as this, like oppressive institution their whole life. And so once they kind of like shed religion, they kind of see religion as like a bad thing for the environment. Mm. Go to a local church, like, there's community spaces. And one of the biggest things for me about environmental problems is it's so anonymous, right? Like you don't see the person who is picking up your garbage. You don't see the person whose home is being lost by sea level rise. The more connected we are, and I feel like churches are an incredibly useful tool to have those kinds of community spaces where people are connected to each other and we're not just anonymous to each other. If you can like engage with another person who lives down your street that maybe you wouldn't have just because by going to this church, I feel like those connections are so powerful. I've done a lot of service projects within my church oriented around the environment. If you are a religious person and you go to a church regularly, what is the harm in, you know, mentioning, hey, like, why don't we do a trail cleanup? Or why don't we do a clean air challenge or something like that? That kind of community sense of community really helps out. Another thing is there are people who who are like, oh, we work in similar places. Like, why don't we carpool to work together? Mm-hmm. And you would never know that had you not gone to church. I truly see church as like a way to like build community um, in a way that is very pro-environmental. Mm-hmm. Just through these like loose connections that you wouldn't have had before that now you have and can leverage to do environmental work. Even if that's just catching a ride with someone to the bus station, you know? Mm. As we've talked about this, We've touched on it a little bit, but we've also danced around it about dogma and hierarchy and how it really turns a lot of people our age off in terms of religion. Yeah. I, I know that we, we've talked a lot about using the word Pharisees, that a lot yeah. of folks who are religious have almost become like the Pharisees have in that they've gotten so tied up in all these rules and loopholes that they've completely forgotten the message that all of these rules are aimed to boost. And so as I was 
everybody it's time for your favorite or least favorite segment katie's soapbox um as i was like starting to do some research for the show in particular because i was not incredibly familiar with um the church of latter-day saints i started to see this recurring theme and this is not to evangelize but this is to share something that i've encountered within my own catholic faith particularly with young people like you had mentioned hannah who are kind of turned off from religion and they see it as as one of those i guess overall structured enemies particularly for young people who are disengaged or disenchanted with religion or who have fallen away again this is not to convert that's between you and your creator but maybe to offer a different perspective i think that climate work and religion have a lot of overlapping components whether that's fear or guilt or worry or uncertainty. I mean, you know, it's a joke. It's the, it's the Catholic guilt for me and I'm not the best Catholic. I don't even know that I'm a good Catholic, but I think that my environmental work gives me an outlet to try and be a better Catholic and a better Christian and a better person. It can be really overwhelming to try to sit down and and read the entire catechism or to sit down and try to read the entire Bible. I know it's a bestseller, but some of it's real dry a lot of that turns people off because it just muddies the water. Personally, it's the awe and the wonder that comes with hearing the coo of a morning dove or seeing a bright green anole sitting on a brick or seeing a prickly armadillo or a grinning possum that reminds me of just how incredible nature is and how yes. incredible our creator is, whoever you think that is, because it means that our creator paid really acute attention to all these little details that make all these incredible and amazing creatures of different sizes and types and, and environments, the absolute very least I can do is respect their existence and give them a teeny tiny little hand. Religion can be super daunting. Dogma is super scary. I don't always agree with it either. I'm not going to be the next St. Francis or the next Pope Francis, not by a long shot. But I think in its simplest form, we can all see the face of God and the nature of his work, whether it's in the glassy, dark eyes of a fat toad or on the sticky tongue of a cow (laughs) or in the soft wool of a lamb. I think that when you encounter these things out in nature that you don't see in your everyday life because you get distracted, little things like that can be an incredible reminder of, I guess, how fearfully and wonderfully and creatively made we all are. Yes, absolutely. What a disservice it is that we allow these beautifully designed creations to just fade away so that we can fly our private jets around and do all that kind of stuff. That is such an injustice, don't you think? And it's such a slap in the face to our creator. Absolutely. Yeah. To just get, like you said, lost in, in our own material worth, lost in the sauce, that, that darned materialistic sauce that doesn't allow us to pick up toads and pet wild animals that we probably shouldn't be touching in the first place. (laughs) Exactly. To to just relax a little bit. One thing that that is coming to mind about this Pharisee conversation we're talking about is social media. Just how Mm. bad the environment social media is. You think about those girls who were those boys or those days and thems. um, I'm trying to include everyone here. um, Who... (laughs) you know, are very focused on what their next post is going to be and how how can they like, you know, increase their followers and I need to buy an outfit for this photo shoot. Oh my gosh. And the home decorating ones, like the shopaholics, dude, that stuff. Not only does it bankrupt me, but as soon as I open the box and see what's inside, I'm like, man, I didn't even need that. Like like, the excitement is over. And I I see the Shan hauls on Instagram and I want to say like, shame on you. You know, like 
I mean, that sounds horrible, but like you are contributing to the worst environmental crisis ever by, you know, just not to mention that a lot of these companies are like nearly enslaving and trafficking vulnerable, impoverished people to make clothes that we're going to buy and throw out in two weeks. Yeah. And I, I feel like it bothers me because then they like put on their little shin dress and like go to church. And I'm like, how dare you? You know? <laughs> right. No, but it was $2, Hannah. It was yeah, a Jesus, deal. Jesus was crucified in his underwear. Let us remember that. Like, he paid the ultimate sacrifice in his underwear. I think about this a lot about social media and about environmentalism is that a lot of it comes from our ego. You know, we mm. are afraid of dying and we're afraid of death. So we do these things that alleviate that that, pa- that pain of a reminder of our mortality. And we buy something to like say, okay, if I buy this thing, maybe I'll be cute and beautiful and I can have a bunch of social media followers. I'm feeding into this ego that's afraid of death. You know, if we just found more peace in Jesus Christ and we're more relaxed, then maybe we wouldn't feel the need to like spend $400 on Shein and feel okay going to church in just a regular outfit. Because what we do with our worship with Jesus Christ doesn't have to be witnessed on social media to be meaningful and to be valuable. Mm. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who will disagree with me on that and they'll say, hey, no, like I love to post about my faith on social media. Yeah, you do that. But when it's for this agenda to kind of feed your ego, I feel a little bit embarrassed for them, you know, because that's so antithetical to the doctrine that they've been teaching to their followers, you know? Well, and, and I mean this term, I guess, as respectfully as I can, given how much it's been memed to death. But I think a lot of boomers are like, this is the problem with your with your generation. You guys all think the same. It's like herd mentality. And I know that those words have been like absolutely beaten to death, like nobody's business. But I think a lot about how people on social media go down this rabbit hole of, oh, I've got to buy this thing because this pretty girl bought it and I want to be pretty. I don't want to be different. I got to buy the thing that's not going to last more than a couple of weeks because random stranger on the internet said I have to. Whereas when you talk about when you were a child and you felt othered, you turned to your faith. And I think a lot of people are using... And again, I'm not telling you, you know, if you're not religious, oh, go out immediately and like start Googling religions and join one. You might feel fulfilled, like whatever, if that's what you got to do, do it. But like, don't do it because I told you to. I think that a lot of people don't think outside the box in terms of what brings you fulfillment. I think a lot of people think fulfillment comes from whatever third world country nearly enslaves somebody with unlivable wages to make you a random thing for cheap. And that yes. that's going to bring you fulfillment. And it's not. It won't. You, you'll find something new next week. And I think that people, mm-hmm. I think that that's where environmentalism comes into play. Just go sit out in nature, dude. Like, exactly. like, like just sit by a lake for a while and look at the stuff and you'll instantly feel better. And it's free. <laughs> also, I have one last thought about this. And then I think we got to wrap up. I think a lot about gratitude and how the more gratitude I practice, the, the less insecure I am and the more I recognize how much of a blessing it is to be alive and how grateful I am that, you know, this opportunity to enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning or to cuddle my cat or to talk to my mom on the phone is like how beautiful and unique and temporary and finite all those things are. Mm -hmm. And I think if we practice more gratitude, which Jesus Christ has called us to do, maybe we wouldn't need to shop endlessly on that line and fly private jets around and we would be humble enough to just be okay with the little things in life. 
right? And we'd be it, we'd be happier. There'd be way more meaning in life. And so that's kind of what your soapbox remind me of is like, if we just were grateful for the things that we have, we wouldn't be destroying the planet because we'd have enough. And constantly chasing this sense of enough by buying more is pushing us further away from that elusive enough that we're always searching for, you know? Amen. There was your 25 Amen. minute prayer, the everybody. Our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Ah, man, Fabulous. I love talking about Jesus. Like, every time we do an episode about Jesus, I'm like, <laughs> I was going to so say, I, I knew you were going to love today's topic as soon as <laughs> I was like, okay, Hannah, I had my 30 minute faith soapbox. It's, it's a good soapbox. To- yeah, I was about to say, out of all the soapboxes people have these days, I think it's one of the more benign ones if you go about it the right way. Yeah, and it's also hard because. Like, I feel like there's a lot of contention within Christian sex, and people are probably going to come after me and be like, no, if I do worship Jesus, I will get wealthier. I'd be like, okay, you do. Well, you're yeah. more than welcome to sign up for our Patreon. If- <laughs> you're more than welcome to sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> if you find yourself with an uh, unmanageable amount of wealth, um, may I direct you <laughs> to, our, to our Patreon? Yes, if you happen to continue to worship Jesus and he blesses you with a billion dollars, then please do buy also, our please give him my number. All right. Enough of this. <laughs> Hannah, I think we have some action steps. Take yes, it away. Do. Okay, so if you're interested in getting early access to episodes, as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's your mind and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So our action steps are, if you're a college student with a radio station, we need you to help us get on the air. A you college can approach- radio station, that is. Yes, college radio station. You can approach your radio station and let them know you want them to add Green Tea Party Radio on their station. For more info, contact us at info at greenteapartyradio.com. If faith and spirituality is important to you, go ahead and go on social media and share your connection with your faith and your care for God's creation. Thank you for listening to Green Tea Party Radio, and a very special thank you to all of our patrons. We couldn't do this without you. And shout out to our newest patron, Green Patriot. Green Patriot, thank you. Big fan of the Green Patriot. May God bless you with lots of wealth. May God bless you with lots of wealth. Check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. And if you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I guess it's also now x.com. So follow us on (laughs) x.com. And just so you know, this is our passion project. Like we said, we're very down to earth and we're not all about wealth. So we don't have any organizational sponsor. We're just building a movement because we want the world to know that conservatives have an important things to say about climate change and Christians have important things to say about climate change. Yeah, we're not George Soros funded is what that means, gang. Yes. And we're we're, we're true, dyed-in-the-wool conservatives with no shady funders. No shady funders. (laughs) Zero. In fact, Green Patriot, that's the first funding we've got so far. So please sign up for Patreon. And if you want to hear our show on your college radio station, email us at info at and give us the details about your campus and your radio station. That email again is info at And if you want to hear our cat screaming in the background, just keep listening because mine is doing a really good job of yelling at the lady who is, I think, delivering a pizza for me. 
Um, so that's Toby, everybody. Very loud. We love Toby. Baby. Yeah, we love Toby, except for when he's being loud during the one hour of the week that I need to be quiet. Well, we love you. We are so grateful for you to be here, and we truly appreciate everyone who listens to our podcast. Katie, I appreciate you today. I'm very grateful for you and for this interview where I got to be on my Jesus soapbox. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing with me because there's a lot of stuff that I did not know about um, Latter-day Saints. I I, like went to college with somebody who was Mormon, but like didn't ever figure out a lot about like what that was like. So talking to you gave me a a better idea of what that was like and it it warms my heart to know that we have quite a bit in common. Oh Um, yeah. So absolutely doing doing the Lord's work. I love you dearly and I'll see you next time. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Bye. No, no, dude, like just in the window because he saw my fiance walk by and now he's going to sit there and he's going to absolutely yodel.